Thanks for joining us. We love getting to share the message of God's grace with the entire world. If his message has impacted your life, would you share your testimony with us by emailing it to stories at graceorlando.com. We love to hear what God is up to. You can also give in support of this ministry by going to our website and clicking on the give button at graceorlando.com. Thanks again. There we go. Am I good? Can you guys hear me? Yeah. Awesome. You see me too? Good. Good. I see you guys too. Hope you guys had a good fourth. Everybody had a good fourth. Thumbs up. So I might not be able to read everybody's face, you know, because we have Ninja Week this week, but give me a thumbs up or a thumbs down, like thumbs up if you're smiling or like good, like yeah, cool, okay, cool. So that helps me. I, I, have, I, I can't see past those things. But anyways, so glad you guys are here. Um, Javen's been doing an awesome job with this series. How many of you guys have enjoyed this series? I know I have. It's been great. Um, so this week, um, I want to tell you guys a story uh, real quick just to open up. I don't know if you guys heard about the, the burglar. Did you guys, anybody hear about the burglar? I know it's kind of like bad news. I know we don't, we don't want to talk about bad news anymore. But there was this burglar that broke into this house, right? And he was doing what burglars do. They, they burglaring. Is that right, Kim? No, no, no. I'm just kidding. I know it's not burglaring. But they were, he was burglaring, okay, in this house. And he... Uh, was cruising around there, and it was kind of dark, and then he heard this voice while he was in there. And the voice said, Jesus is coming, and the burglar stopped what he was doing, and he looked in the dark, and he couldn't see what in the world said that, so then he went back to doing his thing, and then he heard the voice again, and it said, Jesus is coming, and so he turned around again, started peering into the dark, and then he could finally kind of make out this cage, right? And so he got a little closer to the cage, and there was this bird inside the cage. And he said, is that you? And, he, and the bird responded, and he said, yes. And he said, well, what is your name? And the parrot responded back, and he said, well, my name is Moses. And the burglar was just like, he was just blown away. He's like, what kind of owners would name their bird Moses? Okay? And the bird did what birds do, you know, when they turn sideways kind of thing. And he said, the same kind of owners that would name their Rottweiler Jesus. Okay? And the dog came up and, no, I'm just kidding. Not a true story. It would be fun if it was, but it's not. But really, those names, if you think about it, those names are kind of odd names, right? Would everybody agree that naming those names are odd? Um, just like what we're talking about today, we are calling God as a good shepherd. I personally think that calling God is kind of an odd thing to call God a good shepherd. Why? First of all, we don't know too many shepherds around here in Longwood. I don't know too many. I don't know if you guys do. Um, and really, the reason why that is is because they don't run in big herds. Get it? Shepherds? I got two dad jokes in in two minutes. Come on. That was pretty good. I'm trying to keep up with Bob, right? We're doing good, me and you. We're on the same page. All right. So I believe Jesus came to tell who God is. Okay, I believe Jesus came to tell who God is. He came to reveal who God was, even to a people who thought they knew God so much. They thought they knew who God was, and the whole time they didn't even recognize that he was with them here on the earth. Okay, Jesus said things like, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father Okay, that's John 14, 9. He boldly claimed, I and the Father are one. 
And then if you guys remember, at his resurrection, Thomas addressed him as my Lord and my God. Okay, so I believe if we want to know who God is, and that's what we've been talking about, I think we should look at the life of Jesus and begin to examine some of the things that he did and said who he was while he was here on the earth. I want to read to you guys a conversation where Jesus, he was talking to the Pharisees. Do you guys know who the Pharisees are? They're these like religious people, and he was talking to them. And I feel like this conversation was kind of aggressive, like it was kind of feisty a little bit. Jesus had a little bit of feisty in his voice. And the reason why I think that is because he starts off saying the words truly, truly. And anytime you guys see the word truly, truly, or verily, verily, that's the King James, or the NIV, I believe, is uh, verily, truly, right? You could say it however you want. Um, but anytime he was saying that, it always was a strong claim to truth. Right? It was presented from an almost audacious attitude. So in other words, when Jesus was talking to these Pharisees, who he did not care for too much, he had a little bit of attitude in his voice. All right, You guys picture, I could see his hair. It's kind of like, what? what you saying, right? So he was saying it with a little bit of sass. So if you can picture that, it says, we're going to start in verse 1. It says, truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber, but he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him, the gatekeeper opens, the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will, uh, they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. This figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying. So they're confused, like, what are you talking about? And so he gets a little more sassy, right? In verse 7, it says, Jesus, again, snapped his fingers, and he says, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I came that they may, might have life and have it abundantly, and I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd who does not own the sheep sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf snatches them and scatters them, and he flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. He says it again. I know my own, and my own know me, just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay my life down for the sheep, and I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So, so there will be one flock and one shepherd. I know that was a lot, so hang in there. Um, but a couple things I want to note right off the bat. Okay, this is Jesus reminding the Pharisees of a prophecy. Okay, you guys can read it for yourselves. I don't have time to get into it, but it was from Ezekiel 34, and it was basically describing, it was a prophecy, and he was fulfilling the prophecy, and he was letting them know, this is why I'm here. But it was saying that one day there's going to be a shepherd that's coming, and that he, has, he was going to be different than any other shepherd that had ever come before, right? So Jesus is saying, I am the good shepherd. So number one, who's the good shepherd? Jesus is the good shepherd, and why is he the good shepherd? He said why. He said because he was the good shepherd, he, because he laid his life down for the sheep. So that's why he was the good shepherd, because he, he was the type of shepherd that would lay his life down for the sheep. Number two, bad shepherds or the hired hands, who were those people? 
the Pharisees. They were the Pharisees. They were the people he was talking to. A hired hand actually means a wage worker. So this would have been a massive insult, right? This would have been super insulting, like if somebody said, well, you're just here because you're getting paid for it kind of thing. Um, and, then he, and then he also addressed the thief, the name transferred to mean false teacher who do not care to instruct men, but abuse their, their confidence for their own gain. And then robber, meaning steal, stealing out in the open, typically with violence. So if you know anything about Pharisees, these dudes he was talking to, they were pretty violent. They were not the most peaceful kind of people. They were pretty aggressive. And if you stepped outside of the law, they were going to take you out in the street and let you know you stepped out of the law, okay? So number three, the sheep. Who's the sheep? Us, right? Us. House of Israel, but he's saying that the, he wants the Gentiles to be saved too. So he's talking to us. Um, so I got this picture. Let me see if it comes up. There we go. That's cute, right? Jesus and the lamb. So Jesus, um, right now, you guys might be saying to yourself, well, this is really cute. Like you got Jesus and he's a good shepherd and you got the sheep and we're the sheep and this is real special, right? Um, What does that have to do with me? What does that have to do with what's going on in my life right now? Like, Matt, I, I get that he's a sheep. I get that we're sheep and I get that he's a shepherd. But how does that help me today, right? Um, So I want to give you three reasons why it's good to know God is your good shepherd. Three reasons. Number one is direction. The shepherd leads and guides the sheep. The shepherd tells the sheep when to eat, when to sleep, and where to go. Okay? The sheep follow the shepherd, and why do we need to know this? Well, one thing you need to know about sheep And I don't know if you guys know a whole lot about sheep. I know a whole lot about sheep because I spent all sorts of time on YouTube learning about sheep this week. (laughs) So I will tell you about sheep for a second, okay? And you might identify with some of these things, but one thing you need to know about sheep is they're pretty defenseless. Some of you guys might be like, okay, I can kind of identify with the defenseless part. That might be me. I I need somebody to kind of protect me or help me, right? They also get lost easy. There's another group of the crowd, right? Like, okay, I get lost. I got my cell phone. That can get me where I need to go. Uh, I got GPS. Um, Or they're really stubborn. Oh, we just got a whole other group in here, right? We are really stubborn. Uh, That's what you need to know about sheep. Um, they also uh, have, they, they have horrible eyesight, there's another group, and they can't see very far. Basically, in order to survive, sheep need someone to lead them because if they're left in one area to graze, I don't know if you guys know this, if you leave sheep in one area, they will eat the grass, all of the grass that's there, then they will begin to eat the dirt, okay, and then once they're done with the dirt, then they will eat the increments of the other sheep, and then they will die, okay, so they need a shepherd to take them to the next place, now here's what I'll let you know, the next time you do something dumb, or you say the wrong thing, or whatever, you can just say, well, Jesus called me a sheep, and at least I'm not eating other people's increments, right, that's a good step, okay, that's a good step, I, I, I think, I'm, I'm thinking highly of you guys, all right, and me, um, so truth be told, we need direction. And I, and I have to be honest, first of all, I'm not very good at direction. I'm not very good at following directions, okay? If you're ever following me in a car, some of you guys have, I'm the worst person to ever follow. Brooke's probably screaming if Brooke's watching, but she's like, yes, he's the worst. If you get left at the light, I will probably just keep going. And I was thinking in my head, you should have stayed up with me, okay? It was your <laughs> fault. You should have stayed. Or if I'm following you and somebody else is in the car, I'm getting distracted by the other person and you're going to get away and I'll just say, I'll meet you there basically. So I'm not very good at these things. Um, 
But here's one of the truths I want us to go away with. God is not always going to lead us to places we like or around people we, we want to be around. And I think there's some, and if you guys think there's some kind of utopia, right, where we can move to or go to, I've moved all over the place, where you can go to where everybody looks just like you, talks just like you, acts just like you, unless you're uh, from Arcadia, Florida, if you guys know anything about Arcadia, Florida, you should drive through there because everybody looks the same, talks the same, and acts the same. That's the only place I know of that could be the same, okay? Anybody been to Arcadia, Florida? Okay, you know. All right, cool. Uh, and I was from that area too, but... Uh, so I'm making fun of myself. No, God is going to lead you to places to be around people you would never naturally choose. So when I was 17, I got a job at Walmart. Everybody say, God bless Walmart. <laughs> Walmart's a great place, right? Uh, you kind of want to get in and out, get, get your groceries ordered early. It's a totally different place when I was 17. But I started there, and I did not like that job. I, didn't, I don't like retail. I, I don't even like shopping at all. Shopping is not my thing. So to think of me working at retail was awful. It, they had this assembly job that was in the back. As soon as I could get that job, I moved to the back and started working in assembly. That's probably why I learned how to work with tools and all that kind of weird stuff. But um, have you ever been somewhere where you say to God, like, why am I here? Like, why am I doing this job? Why am I here? What's the purpose of me being here? Why am I in Florida sweating? I don't know, right? I would say Walmart for me was that job. Walmart was that place that I asked God a lot of times, like, why am I, why am I here, okay? And so while I was there, I'm kind of a routine person. Let me figure out a routine because I'm kind of miserable. And so I remember... Uh, I used to eat at the same exact place every single day, and it was called the Radio Grill. Does anybody know what the Radio Grill was? No? It was the, it was the place before McDonald's and Subway were in Walmart. It was the original little restaurant inside Walmart, and I used to go there and get the exact same thing. I would get the chef's salad, and I would get an Aquafina, and I would do it forever, okay? If it was still there, I would probably go there and get myself Radio Grill chef's salad with Aquafina, Okay? Um, so it was that good. That's just me and I'm weird. But I like routine. And so I would sit and I would take my lunch and every single day I would sit there. This young guy would come up. I don't know if he was skipping school. I don't really know what the deal was. Uh, his name was Steven Skaronsky, okay? Steven Skaronsky um, was a unique guy um, in the sense that he is also a routine person. And every day I would have lunch, he would come over and talk to me, okay? And I was always confused. Why is this kid coming to talk to me? Um, I don't understand. And so I would talk back. You know, that's kind of what you're supposed to do when people sit down and talk to you. And I'm like, what's up, man? Like, hey, how you doing? Like, how you doing? And uh, he would just, every single day, he'd come and talk to me about four-wheelers and dirt bikes and all this stuff that I could care nothing about. Right? I don't know anything about four If you come talk to me about four-wheelers and dirt bikes, I'll stay with you for a little while, but there's only so far I can go. Okay, I'm sorry. Um, but he would come up to me and talk to me about stuff every single week. And so I thought it was my job, the good Christian thing to do, is I waited till Wednesday night youth group, and I was going to invite him to youth group, right? So I invited him to youth group, and you know what he said? He's like, no, I'm not going to youth group with you. And I'm like, why not? I mean, you could come talk to me every single day. What's the deal? He's like, I just don't want you. I want to go ride dirt bikes and four-wheelers and all this other stuff. And I'm like, all right, fine, no big deal. I'm like, you should really feel privileged that I just invited you to church, but you're not feeling privileged right now. It's making me kind of mad, okay? <laughs> I don't understand what the deal is. I stepped out, invited you. You said, no, this is not how it's supposed to work. So he did this for like probably three months. He would come over and hang out every single day, and I was always just confused by it. And one day, I remember I was going to ask him to go to church, and God's like, no, you should go hang out with Stephen. And I was like, I don't want to hang out with Stephen, God. And God's like, no, you need to go hang out with Stephen. And I was like, I don't want to hang out with him. And he's like, go hang out with him. I was like, all right, deal. 
So I'm thinking, I'm going to ask him. He's going to say the typical no. I'm like, Stephen, you want to go hang out? And he's like, yes. And I was like, oh, no, man. Like, we were going somewhere. You did this no thing, and now you're saying yes. So I took him where I thought, just kind of a routine. I'm like, let me just go to the mall, because that's the only thing that we did in that town was go to the mall. And So I brought him to the mall. And if I can explain something to you about Stephen, Stephen looked different than I did. Okay, Stephen, he talked different. He acted different. We didn't have a whole lot in common. Um, and one thing I can tell you is Stephen stunk really bad. Um, he smelled. Like, I, I, I'll never forget the smell. That's how bad it was. And, uh, and I remember, so I'm in the mall, and I see somebody from my school. Okay, I'm 17, so don't judge me too hard, okay? And I'm trying to be cool. I see somebody from my school, and I walk to the other side of the hallway, right? That's what everybody does when you're walking with somebody. You just say, oh, I'm going to diss this person. So I walk to the other side. Well, Stephen does what every normal person do, does, should do, and then he followed me over. And I'm like, why did he follow me over? You know, like, I don't understand. I'm trying to get away from him. I'm trying to be cool with my friends. And so I walk to the other side. And then Stephen just trails me again. I mean, he probably did this three or four times. By the fourth time, I don't know if he got the hint or what he was doing. I look back, and he's just smiling, you know, walking. And I'm like, I don't know what's happening right now. And on the inside of me, I heard God say, Matthew, he said, I died for people like Stephen. And I remember I just started crying and bawling. And I'm like, oh, gosh, you're so right. Like, what, what in the world? Like, what am I doing and uh, I remember going over to Stephen, and I remember walking with Stephen, and I'm crying, and I'm crying on his shoulder, and I'm just like, God's showing me, like, I, I love this person. This is who I came for. Like, don't act like that. And what are you doing? And, and I'm crying, and Stephen's just smiling. He has no clue what's happening, right? We're just walking through the mall, and I'm crying on his shoulder, and I'm just like, oh, God, you know? And, and he has no idea. But what's interesting about that is... The moment I focused on Stephen, right, uh, I, I forgot about everything else. I didn't care about um, who saw us. I didn't care about what I was going through during that time. I didn't care about how bad he smelled when I was hanging on his shoulder. I didn't care about any of those things. Um, and can I tell you, if I hadn't allowed God to lead me, I don't know that, that I would have ever had that opportunity to show God's love to Stephen. I honestly don't know that I would have. If I hadn't said, God, show me, tell me. But the second reason it's important to have a good shepherd, right, is number two is connection. And I know most of you thought I was going to say correction because that's what you think that shepherds do all the time is they just walk around, they correct all the sheep. But actually, it's connection, right? John 10, 14 through 16, it says, I am the good shepherd, and I know my own, and my own know me. And just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep, I... And I have other sheep that are not of this fold, and I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice, so there will be one flock and one shepherd. Um, it says, I know my own, and my own know me. How many of you guys would say you listen a lot more to people that uh, you're closer with, right? Like you, you hear other people talking, but you listen a lot more to people that you're closer, closer with. Sometimes you'll, you'll be like trying to like tell somebody something, and then all of a sudden you see that person doing that thing that you told them for years, but because they listen to the right person, then they do, they're doing that one thing. I would kind of relate it to the gym, right? I would relate it to the gym. Say you invite somebody to go exercise with it. We all know exercise is good. We all know health is good, right? And you, you've asked this person for years to go with you, right? And then all of a sudden you see like a picture on Facebook and they're like taking a selfie and they're like, where were you? I needed a workout partner and you're taking selfies now. What's the deal, right? 
but it was because they listened to that person that was closest to them. They had a connection with that person. See, I, know, I believe that if God knows if you feel connected with him, we will listen to him a lot more. When you are connected to God and hear his voice, it's easier to tune out the wrong voices. Jesus said in John 14, 6, I am sending you a helper, and he will teach you all things, and he'll bring all things to your remembrance. And can I have an honest moment? I kind of had an honest moment a couple minutes ago, but I want to have another honest moment with you guys, right? Like this is like, I'm going to come clean about this thing. And what that thing is, is I know that you guys don't realize this, but some things don't come naturally to me. Did you know that? I know right now you're thinking, well, you're mad. Everything should come naturally to you. That's what you do, okay? (laughs) But really, some things don't. And I'll tell you what that one thing is, is I struggle loving grumpy people. Is anybody with me on that? Like, grumpy people are kind of a struggle for me. And I think that's because I've never really been a grumpy person. Like, you just, I don't have too many bad days, right? Um, And really, since I came to know Jesus, I would say it's been even more. And I know that sounds super spiritual, but because I know what it's like to feel worthless, I know what it's like to have a really bad day, and I know what it's like to have no hope, I I think every day that before those days that, that I came to know Jesus, just completely different, right? Um, so John ten sixteen it says, I have other sheep that are not of this fold, and I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice, so there will be one flock and one shepherd. I have a mind-blowing statement for you guys. Okay, is everybody sitting down? Okay, good. Um, mind-blowing statement, God is more interested in people being in the fold than everyone doing what they're told. Okay, you want me to say it again? I said, God is more interested in people being in the fold than doing what they're told. Because I believe, like, I used to believe the opposite. Like, everybody's got to do what they're told, and, like, you know, you got to tell them they're wrong, and then that way they come into the fold. I think it's the other way around, right? And I really think if we flip it around, a lot more people would come to know Jesus. Um, But if you remember, I said, God is going to always lead you to places that we may not like and around people we don't want to be around. Um, so this was uh, back in 04. Ruthie and I had just graduated from Bible school, and we moved back to where her family's from up in Ohio, okay? And they had a real estate business where they flipped properties, and so Ruthie and I came to go work for her family, and I had to start pretty much from ground up, and one of the ways um, that, or one of the first tasks that they tasked me with was a young guy. They were like, okay, we need to take, you need to take this guy under your wing. This guy's name was Lucas Moore, okay? And they kind of gave me a little bit of background about him, Um, Let me just tell you, if you were to see him, he would be kind of a scary individual, okay? He wore trench coats all the time. He wore all this, like, crazy ripped-up clothes. He had pentagrams all across, like, all his necklaces and stuff. And he'd he'd talk different. And he kind of turned sideways when he'd look at me. And, um, you know, he was a a different individual. Um, Also, just so you know, like, I spent years with this guy. Uh, after I first met him. I spent years taking him under my wing, and he took me back to his house one time, and I'm trying to give you a little description about him. He he took me to his bedroom, and he opened up his drawers, and inside of his drawers, I don't know if you guys ever heard of miniatures, okay, but they're these like little uh, like army creature type of things, right, and they were all set up, hundreds inside of one drawer. He opens up the next. There's no clothes in there, okay? There's miniatures, and there's another miniatures, miniatures, Okay, I'm thinking the whole room, okay? Then we go into the other room, and he opens them up. There's miniatures all set up for war. I don't know if they ever ended up fighting, but they were all set up for war, okay? This same guy believed in a lot of witchcraft and, like, scary things that everybody thinks is scary. Um, 
Well, he would get stuck in like trance or, and stuff, and he would think he was stuck in some kind of portal, and so he would do these like, he would like use some kind of like spell and spell his way out of this portal. And one time he got stuck outside in the snow at 2 a.m. till 7 a.m. in the snow, and so he was stuck like this during his little chant, and his mom came running out, pulled him out of the snow and brought him inside, you know, didn't know what to do about any of that. Um, so this is Lucas, okay? And they're like, you got to work with Lucas and take him under your wing, no big deal, okay? And I'm like, I'm seeing some issues here, but whatever. So anyways, I worked with him for a long time, and there was this one property we got assigned to where we were supposed to rip the bathtub out, okay? It was like a cast iron bathtub, so I'm like, he likes a sledgehammer, let me send him in there and go, go for it. Well, he was hitting the walls and hitting the doors and all sorts of crazy stuff, and I come in, I'm like, Steve, or uh, Lucas, stop, give me the sledgehammer. And so I kind of had to rip it out of his hand because he was going nuts. And Lucas growls at me, okay, like, Argh. and I'm like, okay, this is cool. Like, got dude growling at me. I'm over here sweating, trying to pull this stupid bathtub out, right? He goes in the other room, and I hear him growling at me still. He's like, Argh. I peek around the corner. I'm like, are you growling at me, Lucas? What are we doing right now, right? And so anyways, I'm, I'm overwhelmed. We finished this stupid bathtub. Then we move outside, uh, and we're going to start a fire. I'm like, okay, this is more simple. We can probably get along starting this fire and doing life together. So we throw some sticks on the fire. Well, Lucas won't stop throwing sticks on the fire, okay? He keeps throwing sticks. This fire is huge. I mean, <laughs> if I could describe to you, and I'm like, Stephen, stop. There's farmland all around. We're going to burn up all the farmlands, Lucas. And... Uh, so anyways, I'm all baffled, and I'm mad. I'm, I'm really mad at this point. So I go hop in the truck. It's like 20 degrees outside. I go hop in the truck, and I'm having a conversation with God, okay, at this point. And if you ever had one of those conversations, it's good, but it doesn't always end how you think it does. So I'm talking with God. I'm like, I don't understand. What's the deal with him? He's not changing, God. I'm doing everything I can. I've brought him to church. I've prayed with him. I've told him about your son. I don't get it, right? And I, and I finally I gave God my whole little vent, my little spiel, and I'm sure, like, he's going to say, you're right, you know, you know. I get quiet, and God says, he said, Matt, he said, what makes you think you're in his life to change him? What if he was in your life for, for him to change you? And I remember the same kind of thing, same story. I just start bawling. I'm just like, okay, God, I'm, I, you're right. I, you're right. You're so right. And I remember the same thing. I'm bawling. I go out there, and I lean on him, and we throw sticks in together with the fire. You know, like, let's do this. Together. Let's burn this whole place down, right? Uh, so, and, and what I love about that is because of my connection with God, right, because of the helper who is teaching me all things, I could hear what God was saying to me. It's just like what Rick said a couple weeks ago. He, sa he said, it's never a stern voice, but a nurturing voice, right? So we need to know God as a good shepherd because, number one, of direction. Number two, connection. And the final reason it's good to know God as our shepherd is three, is affection, right? And I have bad news. I might mess up some of your theology right now. But John 10.10, 10, it says, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. And for years, I always believed that the thief was the devil, right? Like, I always preached it. Man, you got to be careful because the devil's going to steal, kill, and destroy you. That was me, right? I'd say it all the time. I believed it. You got to watch your back because the devil's going to steal, kill, and destroy you, right? You step out of line or whatever. Um, but if you read this in context, he was talking to the Pharisees. Okay, he was saying, truly, truly, y'all are thieves. 
Basically, in essence, he was saying there are a lot of voices and teachers out there that are going to try and make you feel like you have to earn your salvation, right? Those voices will try and make you feel like you can climb over the gate of good works in order to be right with God. But the only way, guys, is through the shepherd. And not just any shepherd, but the good shepherd, okay? The one who lays his life down for the sheep. So this word affection, right, it's kind of a funny word. I really struggled putting this word in here. Um, but the word affection is also odd because I believe one of the ways God shows us he loves us is affection through an overabundance, okay? So if the bad shepherds came to steal, kill, and destroy, bring the law in, good news, the arch nemesis, the good shepherd, Jesus, right, he came to do exactly the opposite, the best part about that verse, John 10, 10, I want to finish it. It's almost like a parallel here. It says, I came that they may have life and have it abundantly, right? That word life, if you look it up in the Greek, it means zoe life, which is both physical in the present and of the spiritual, particularly future existence. So here in this life, we can experience that life. Abundantly, parisos means over and above more than is necessary, how many of you guys have ever been broke? Anybody ever been broke in here? I know I've been broke. Broke is a joke. Broke, broke, right? Um, so I went to Bible college. And if you know anything about people that go to Bible college, they're broke. And uh, so I went, I went to Bible college, and on the way to Bible college, I was broke, okay? On the way. I didn't even have the money to sign up for Bible college. And somehow, miraculously, I ended up with the money to start my Bible college. Then while I was there, I was broke. And when I left, I was broke, okay? Okay. Um, but I remember uh, it was December of the first year at Bible college. I started dating uh, this one girl named Ruthie, right? Started dating her, and I wanted to really impress her, okay? So I had two jobs, and I thought one of the ways I should impress her is I quit one of my jobs so I could spend more time with her. That was a mistake, okay? But anyways, <laughs> I'm joking, right? Um, I quit my job so I could spend more time with her, and then, uh, but then I started becoming more broke than I thought I was. And uh, it, it came about February, and February was Valentine's Day, it was her birthday, and it was my birthday. So when I say I spent everything that I had, I literally spent everything that I had. I spent every dime. Um, and uh, I remember my roommate, he was a Filipino, and his mom used to send us all this Filipino food. It was awesome. She'd send us huge bags of rice and all sorts of sardines and Filipino soy milk. And I don't know the difference between regular soy milk and Filipino soy milk, but it was really good. And then she would send us uh, chicken and just all sorts of things, right? And so come February, we ran out. Like we ate like teenagers and nothing was left in the house. And so spent all my money on Ruthie. And uh, I think it was the second day um, of not having any food. I didn't tell anybody, right? Of course, that's just my, my style. I don't tell anybody. And so um, I, I was hungry, okay? And so I went over to my buddy's house, Tim. Uh, he was another Bible school student that was probably a little, you know, probably, he was probably better off than I was because he'd already graduated from Bible school. But anyways, we're sitting there, we're playing video games, and uh, Tim, in the middle of video games, he's like, hey, you want some cookies? And I was like, yeah, I want some cookies, right? And so he, he pulled out a Nutter Butter. Do you guys know what Nutter Butters are, right? The little cookies, they got the cream inside. He pulled out a Nutter Butter, and I did everything I could while we were playing video games to slowly eat this Nutter Butter and pretend as if I wasn't starving, okay? Then, then I'm leaving his house, and he's like, hey, he's like, you want some more? I'll, I'll give you the box. He pulls out this huge Costco box, I mean, huge, of Nutter Butters, right? 
And I was like, oh, sure, yeah, thanks, I, yeah, no, no big deal. I, I took Nutter Butters home, man. I, everybody that came over, I gave Nutter Butters away all day long, okay? Ruthie would come over. She kind of knew I was starving, but didn't really know. She'd bring salad with chicken, and her parents paid for everything, so our life was great whenever she'd come over. But uh, I would be like, hey, don't worry. I'll cover the dessert. You can have some of these Nutter Butters. You know, that's it's no big deal, right? So I, I still looked pretty good to her, but um, it worked out. I'm just saying. It worked out. Um, Psalms 23, it says, the Lord is my shepherd, my best, or the Lord is my best friend and my shepherd. I always have more than enough. He offers a resting place for me in his luxurious love. Because of his love for us, we can rest that he's going to take care of us. Psalm 23, 4, skip down to verse 4, it says, even if I walk through a very dark valley, I know right now a lot of people are walking through dark valleys, right? says, I will not be afraid because you are with me. You are my rod and my staff, and they comfort me, right? So I did the best. I went up to the local shepherd, what do we call it, shepherd mark something, and I got a staff and a rod the best that I could, okay? This is your staff, and this is your rod, all right? Leslie said I should throw this on so I look like a shepherd, all right? So here we go. I do it for the pictures, right, Gabby? So anyways. Um, so it's a strange thing to say is your, your, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. That's kind of strange, right? I, I'll be honest. I've never called my dad up and said, Dad, thanks for the black belt and not the brown belt because the black belt really comforted me. It really was the best thing that you could have ever done as a child, Dad. Thank you so much. I never called my mom and said, those wooden spoons, the big one was the best, Mom. Man, that comforted me, Mom. In my time of need, it comforted me. Thank you so much. I would say David might be talking about something else if it sounds a little funny, right? So you've got to question that. I think there might be a misconception. So the shepherds used the rod, right? They held the rod out to count their flock. The shepherd would hold the rod at the end of the staff and have the sheep pass under it, one at a time, counting each animal as it passed, okay? For believers, it means God's lovingly, God lovingly acknowledges us. He counts us as his own, as a part of his family. When we pass under his rod, he offers us assurance of his continual presence and protection when we follow him, right? He leads us. So passing under his rod is not a method of discipline or correction, but rather a source of great comfort and faithful love. The staff was used to guide the flock. Unlike, unlike the hired hand, he would never leave us abandoned. He only wants to lead us to places of abundance. The staff also used, or the, the shepherd also used the staff as a rest right? For the shepherd signifying, we too can rest. If our shepherd is resting, we can rest in knowing that he is going to take care of us. It's good to know God is our, is our good shepherd, so we will have direction, even though we, 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 he may lead us to be around people that we wouldn't necessarily choose and places that we wouldn't necessarily choose as well. It's good to know God is our good shepherd so we know the type of connection that we have with God. It, it, he said that he's going to send us a helper or a teacher that will teach us 
all things. You struggling with what to do with your life right now? You struggling with what, what's the next step? What am I supposed to do? He'll talk to the helper. That's why Jesus said he's sending us a helper. It's good to know God is our good shepherd so that we will recognize the affection and the abundance so, God, so much so that God will overflow us in days like this. He wants to overflow us so much, just like the Nutter Butter story. He wants to overflow so much that we're able to give to other people. That I believe during these times, people will come into the fold because of the abundance that God is providing for his children. Amen? It says that he knows what we have need of even before we ask, right? He wants to do exceedingly abundantly above all we could ask or think. All of these things tied in. That's why we need to know God is our good shepherd because scripture also says, if I sent my son to lay down, how much more do I have for my children? So let me pray for us today. Father, we just thank you, God, for each one in here today. God, we thank you, God, for your son. Thank you, God, for sending him to pay the price, God, but not just to pay the price, to make our life an overflow, God. I thank you, God, that Grace Church and the people here, God, wherever we go, God, that you are overflowing us with so much of your goodness, your affection is on us. And whatever, wherever we go, whatever we do, God, you're with us and you'll never leave us nor forsake us. So I thank you, God, for each one that's in here. Speak to this, us this week. And thank you, God, for your goodness and your mercy. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen.